0: Let's pray. Lord, we're here to meet with you today, and I pray that you encourage hearts and that you bring peace through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So peace, do you have it? How much do you have it? Today we're going to give it away. It's free, right? You get peace. You get peace. Now, it's not underneath your chair. Um, You don't have to pay taxes on it if you receive that gift. Um, It's free. And we're going to skip the scripture reading today because last week we sent out an email blast encouraging your family to do the devotional time. So nod your head if you did that. Yeah, good. So you got a head start on finding this peace. But our, our single aim today is to find more peace. Does that sound okay with you? All right. And so this peace... As we turn the corner of our scripture here, it comes from, well, you'll see the progression, okay? So in Philippians chapter four, we start in the situation where these people don't have peace and it's outward, okay? These two ladies can't get along. You ever seen two people unable to get along? Yeah, it's kind of a, a sign on the dashboard of your car that says something's off here, okay? And there's, there's other signs that show that perhaps there's not peace. But my main contention today is that if we don't have inner peace, we won't have outer peace. And inner chaos will just bring outer chaos. And so maybe there's not a fight that you're having with one other person. But there's other signs in our lives that show that there's chaos inside. And I thank God for those signs on like a dashboard that help clue us in to say, you know what, you're missing something underneath the hood of your car. Maybe you're out of oil. Maybe you're out of gas. But I praise God for those signs. So often we get so mad at our dashboard. (laughs) Man, if only those little lights didn't work, everything would be fine. And yet, it clues us in, right, on our soul on the health of our relationship with God. I praise God for that. We're not just about behavior. We're about life. I have a, a vehicle that my I got from my grandpa. He, he drove it up until he couldn't drive anymore, and, and I was able to get that from him. And, and I noticed one of the, the lights... He took a sharpie black marker on the dashboard, and he fixed the problem. Now, my grandfather is one of the wisest men I know. He would not let the oil go unchanged, but there was a light that was just always on, and it was just a little too bright, so he thought he would lower it down. And yet, we do that in our lives a lot. We think, man, if only this one sin, I could just... If I could just manage that behavior a little better, everything would be all right. And yet that's a clue to us of a deeper problem. We follow, the, we follow bad fruit down to its root to realize, man, maybe I'm missing what this is really all about. And so right now the Philippian church is missing what it's really all about. And I wonder if Paul, when he's writing this letter, I know I would, if he knows he's going to call out two people by name. I bet this was on his mind the whole time. He's he's setting the stage, right? He's setting this up as he talks about humility, emptying ourselves like Christ did. And then he gets this spot where he goes, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Disagreement. All right, get figured out, get along. (laughs) And he asked the rest of the church to come alongside them and help them do this. Let's go to verse 4. Oh, and James, okay. So this outer chaos is because of inner chaos. And so James identifies this really well. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So, you fight and wage war to take it away from them. What's what's the real problem here? Well, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You see, these These desires that are unmet, unsatisfied, unresolved, the hungry heart, it rages and it vexates and it latches on to others to be filled. And when others can't do it, we get mad and we take it out on them. The solution is to ask God to meet our needs, for God to bring us our peace. Peace. Let's go to the next slide, please. This is going to be a little bit of an off-the-wall scripture. But God's been speaking this scripture to my heart ever since I was asked to pray over at Peace Plaza downtown. They opened up Peace Plaza and had a little ceremony, and some of you were there. And I was asked to give a prayer about peace. And this scripture was burning in my heart. And it wasn't the right time or the place to share this scripture. Okay? But, But I haven't been able to shake it. As I go up there to pray peace in the town, I just kept thinking about this story. The story is Elijah was a prophet in Israel. He defeated the 400 prophets of Baal that Ahab and Jezebel had set up. Elijah gets tired, gets a little depressed. God tells him, you know what, go and appoint Elisha to help you out, and go appoint Jehu to bring reform to the nation of Israel. And so Jehu is the general of the army. He decides to do a little bit of a coup in the name of God. God called him to do it. And so he drives on with his army towards, Jerusalem, towards the, the watchtower where King Joram was, and Joram's getting nervous in his little castle. And he, so he sends out a scout to go meet Jehu, and the scout says, "Jehu, do you come in peace?" Jehu goes, "What do you know about peace? Fallen behind me." And the scout joins the rain. Joram watches this. He goes, "That didn't look good." So he sends out another, another scout. Same thing happens. And so Jehu comes out, or Joram comes out to meet him, and he says, "Jehu, do you come in peace?" And he gives this line. Jehu says, "How can there be peace?" as long as idolatry and witchcraft abounds and fills the land. Talking about peace. So many of the false prophets in the Old Testament would cry out, peace, peace, when there was no peace. And in a scene like a Western movie, Joram runs away and Jehu takes out his bow and shoots him on the run. Judgment came to Joram that day because he had a hardened heart that knew no peace. All he knew was chaos. It was handed down to him from his parents and he continued to spread it in the killing of more and more innocent people. And God said, this has to stop. Next slide. So if there's not peace in our life, there's chaos. And their sin. Galatians gives a good picture of this. It says that the acts of the flesh, so our sinful nature, they're obvious. They're, they're bright lights on the dashboard, all right? And they're worth paying attention to. And they're the following it starts right off with sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, witchcraft hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Dissension, faction, envy, drunkenness, orgies. How's that for a list, huh? Yeah. But a chaotic heart leads to a chaotic life. And a lot of times, we just try and cover it up. The other way of living is, to find that peace with God and then from that you bring peace to others through love and joy and peace and patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control those are signs that the engine is running and it's running well So, one of the questions in the devotional we sent out last Sunday was Is there anything in your life that you might need to change? Is there any chaos you've identified? You see that light on your dashboard right now. I'm going to show you what to do with it, I'm going to show you what Scripture tells you to do with it. You've got to look inside. So Philippians continues and it says to rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Okay, Root yourself there. Say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. So you see how someone rejoiced in the Lord is able to be considerate. That word considerate means to be gentle, forbearing, meek, temperate. And yet our own anxiety, our own chaos keeps us from doing that. It says, remember the Lord is coming soon. Then in verse 6, it says the first thing to focus on, which is a prayer life. says, don't worry about anything. You know that worry is a sin? It's extremely acceptable often in the church, yet it's just as bad. It's mistrusting God, our Savior. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I love how simple he puts it. Tell God what you need. And remember, oh, and thank him for all that he has done. Isn't that wonderful? Tell him what you need. Don't forget what he's done for you. Look at this next word. This is a really big then, right? Then what happens? Then you will have peace. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's a supernatural peace. There's times in my life I've been in extremely difficult situations, and I know you have too, and God has supplied you with peace. You go, wow, I don't understand that. I should be freaking out right now. (laughs) This is an intense situation. And you have peace. There's other times in my life where everything around me is great. And inside, I am just vexating. I am just gnashing my teeth. I am just in chaos. It's because peace doesn't come from our circumstances. You can be on vacation, sitting in warm weather, and miserable. I know that's hard to imagine. <laughs> but that's not the source of peace. You can be in really cold weather, walking to work like I did today, <laughs> and at peace. It says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful picture of that. Your affections, the things you love, the things you think about. This idea of Christ himself guarding your minds and your hearts in peace. And it takes guarding because the enemy is attacking. Nothing more than the enemy would love to kill, steal, and destroy. And what he targets is your peace. He targets your prayer life tries to isolate you from God. The last scripture said that the Lord is near, that he is coming. Often what happens is we think God to be far away. And then we respond logically as if that were true. If God were far away, then I am freaking out right now. But he's not. We have to focus on the truth. And so in this next scripture in verse 8, so we're to be telling God what we need, thanking him for what he's done. And then we're to fix our thoughts on what is true. Because the only weapon the enemy has is lies. And so we fix our thoughts. It says, dear brothers, sisters, one final thing. He gets real short and punchy here at the end of his letter because of these. Our weighty words, he says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's using all the adjectives in Greek he knows to get the point across here. So often we allow ourselves to think really stinky thoughts we consume so much entertainment that is just lousy. And the narrative we speak to ourselves, if we were to say it out loud, our friend would be like, What are you talking about? <laughs> so often someone gives us the truth and it sounds crazy to us. So often someone might come off as a platitude Hey, God's got this, He's in control. why does that sound crazy? What kind of alternate reality am I living in when the truth sounds crazy? And then you stop and think, that is true. God is with me. The Scriptures that say that He is with me always are true. Scriptures that say that will not tempt you beyond what you are bear, but will give you an opportunity and a way out. That's true. So it says, verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. This is at the end of the letter. Everything before this, almost a bookend. Do this. Then, here's another really big then, then the God of peace will be with you. So our prayer life, our thought life, those are under attack from the enemy all the time. Go to the next slide, please. And look how this plays out for Paul. He says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And here's what everyone quotes before football games, but it's not about football. It says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. There's peace on the outside, on the inside. He goes, There's going to be peace outside. I'm not worried about the chaos out there. I get it. It's hard to find your place in this crazy life. But when we do, when we see God correctly, we can rest in that. That He's got it. This is all possible through peace with God. God can't have peace with others unless we have peace inside, and we can't have peace inside unless we have peace with God. And so, I found some really great scriptures here I want to show you. I found about 11 here, where Paul starts off his letters. The first thing he tells he wants for people is he says, I want you to have Peace. Someone's wondering, Paul, why are you writing to me? He always starts off, he says, I want you to have peace, faith, family. I want that for you. God wants that for you. Roll this next slide. Look at some more. May you have peace. what this is all about let's go to the next one here's some letters that Paul did not write other authors They wants you to have peace the last of which in Revelations if you go scoot back sorry Revelations 1 there that's the Lord Jesus himself In his vision to John, saying, I want you to have peace. And over in the Gospel of John, I'll show you some more. These are just wonderful. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And that peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. It also says, I've told you all this so that you have may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. I want to show you Romans. It's a theme of peace there. It starts off by saying, There's so many people, and they don't know where to find peace. They're looking in all the wrong places. In chapter 5, it says, we've been made right in God's sight by faith, and so we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So now we have a choice, Romans 8. Will we let our sinful nature control our minds and lead us to death? Or will we let the Spirit control our minds and lead us to peace? Will we guard our thoughts and our prayers or will we let the enemy just take us right down from the strength that we have in Christ if we find that inner peace it says Romans 12 do all that you can to live in peace with everyone else it'll come out if the roots are good you'll bear fruit our next slide Colossians has a theme of peace it says that through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself and he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. How did he do that? He did that by shedding his blood on the cross. It was about peace. He purchased that at a price. Colossians 3 says, So let that peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it govern you. Let it be king in your life. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Next slide. This is our benediction for the service today. Second Thessalonians 3 mentions that now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace At all times, in all situations. I know a lot of you are going through some really tough times. And I pray this over you. We pray this over you. May the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times, in all situations. May the Lord be with you. Number six is a great benediction from the Old Testament. We ended a funeral yesterday here with this scripture. Scripture of extending peace. It says, The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And give you peace. That's peace in your life. It's peace in your marriage. Peace with your children. Peace with your family. Peace with your in laws. It's peace at work. Peace in your finances. Peace in your calendar. Wherever you see that chaos emerge, claim the peace that is rightfully yours in Christ Jesus. Tell God what you need, remember what He has done and fix your thoughts on that which is true. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. I wage war against that which wages war against our souls. I claim this congregation for peace. The enemy has no place here to guide our thoughts with lies. Rather, Through Jesus Christ, we guard every heart and every mind. That we would tell you what we need. Thank you for what you've done and fix our thoughts in that which is true. That there may be peace within ourselves to resist temptation, peace outside of ourselves to resist division. Thank you for the peace of all eternity when we can gather together and find shalom in Jesus' name.